opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting Pitch by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Henriquez, and I'm with our co-host, Shannon Siegeloff. Hey, Shannon. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. So for today's episode, I want you to imagine that your kitchen garbage can gets full. So normally, right, you take out the trash, but what happens if you couldn't do it? Okay. I mean, so what happens if the bag fills up? It's taking over your whole house, right? It's taking over your kitchen. It's taking over your living room, and you just couldn't clean it up. So eventually, it would be hard to walk around, to cook, to clean. Um, so that is the stuff of nightmares. It is stuff from nightmares. Well, here's one of those nightmares in real life. So it's very similar to a disease process called mucopolysaccharidosis. Um, there are seven different types of mucopolysaccharidosis. This type in particular we're talking about today is type 2, or Hunter syndrome, also known as MPS2. So in this case, their bodies are unable to make an enzyme that takes care of your cellular waste. So their bodies become like a kitchen in this example. Wow. In today's episode, we have invited Mario Estevez and his wife Jennifer um, they are family here at JDCH. Their son is being treated for Hunter syndrome, um, and they're going to share their story and to let parents with rare diseases, rare diseases know that they are not alone. So, but before we get to Mario, we'll spend a few minutes during our coffee chat segment talking about um, avoiding the back-to-school plague of the flu and cold that's going around. and. Okay. To let parents beware of baby walkers, how popular a toy can lead to serious injury. Why is it that every time on our podcast there's always something that seems so harmless as a warning? I mean, I, <laughs> if I was having kids now, I'd be so, like, I wouldn't say paranoid, but, like, overly cautious. So is injuries with, with walking toys now? Yes, there are injuries with walking toys Wow, that's that's interesting, very interesting. And then we have the, the uh, a school plague. Let's 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 talk about this a little bit. The flu and the cold. I is is that different from the is that different from the flu season issues that we have? You know, no, you the flu the flu is the flu season. Mm -hmm. The cold is the cold season. The, the, it's the cold <laughs> season, right? <laughs> the warmth is the warm season. No, it, it, so the, the the flu is the flu, right? Right. But there are different strains of the flu. Of course. But there is a season for that, so that's primarily right in the fall and the spring. And then there's cold season as well, but depending, so the cold is a, like a blanket term for a series of viruses, right. and although those do pick up in different seasons as well, um, it tends to be when kids go back to school, right, is when they start getting it all. Well, at least really? it seems that way. Or is, it, or is it because they just don't want to go to school, so they start faking it a little more? Well, ah, we're going to have to find mind out. Mind is blown. <laughs> Before we move on, here's a word from our sponsors. You are listening to Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. To learn more about our hospital, visit jdch.com. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com slash care. Welcome back. Before we get to today's guest, let's bring one of our producers. Wait a second. This isn't Bahati. Who's this? Bahati. 
Where is Bahati? <laughs> Where did she go? In for, in, sitting in for Bahati is Carla <laughs> with, telling us what's, what's making news in the parenting world. Hi, everybody. Hi, Carla. Thanks for having me. Just sitting in for Bahati today. But I wanted to share an article that I saw apparently and not just seen it but it's actually gone through my whole household avoid CNN just did an article on how to avoid the flu and cold play that's been going around and spread by kids in school so it's already gone through every member of my family at home but I, I, it's actually already yes I don't think it was the flu it was a cold but okay there's a little bit of confusion <laughs> wow, on that, that one, but, <laughs> right, right. but it was actually interesting because CNN did an article on how to avoid it apparently it's going around average elementary school children get six to eight colds each year so for high school students about half but both groups are at high risk for the flu and teachers and parents commonly refer, refer to this cold and flu phenomenon as the back-to-school plague, which is happening. We're in the fall. We just got back to school. Everybody's sharing germs because sharing is caring, but uh, not in this case. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is, that's very interesting. <laughs> back-to-school plague. Back-to-school blues, maybe. I feel like that's a blanket term for a lot of things, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> back-to-school, well, let's just name it. <laughs> so kids are actually most likely to get colds in the fall and the winter. And that's because right now they're indoors instead of being outside as they were in the summer. They're close contact with their fellow germy friends. And also because cold viruses love low humidity. And in these months, your nasal passages get drier. And then it makes them magnets for the 200 viruses that can cause infections. I'm sorry, did you say 200 200. Viruses? Who counted? that's a good question I don't know yeah so I just thought it was interesting because you don't really think about how many germs are actually being passed around in school in their backpacks or lunchbox I get very paranoid at home and make my kids put their backpacks and lunchboxes in one area I don't know if I'm the only paranoid parent I have not had them do that (laughs) that's interesting and I have them wash their hands wow just and Carol Carol, yes yes I have the avid thumb sucker and the kid's mouth's turned seven years old, and he still sucks his thumb. And I, every time, I'm like, "Did you wash the hand first before you put oh, in there?" Wow. I know it's I'm supposed to be telling him, "Do not suck your thumb." Period. But right. but instead, I don't. I tell him, "Did you wash your hands first uh, before you put it in your mouth?" Because I mean, that's what right. That's the, that's the flavor, <clears throat> though. You're stripping it of the. And I love it. <laughs> I, 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 well, I don't want that. <laughs> just clarify. I do not love the flavor of dirty thumb. But oh, I love the, the, the elementary school kids. I went over to the elementary school the other day, and they had um, a snack. And it was one of these where you, like, take the cracker and you dip it into, like, the icing snack. And they eat it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was delicious, non-nutritious, completely fattening, <laughs> have no nutritional value whatsoever. However, so one, wait, took this long stick. They dunked it into the icing. They bit it off. They put it back into the icing. They took it and put it into a mouse and then passed the icing container to the next child. Oh, double dipping. And I was like, well, that's fantastic. Oh, like yeah. Six kids. But sharing is caring. They didn't lick their fingers? Yeah, they shared that flu. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we get a little paranoid. So we do a lot of hand washing at home right before you eat, right before you go to right. sleep, right as soon as you get home. So I might be very paranoid, but this article just proved me right for a little bit. Right. <laughs> you know the deal, right? The deal between when to use Purell and when to use soap and water? Okay, no, but I do have a theory with Purell. I feel like all it does is really kill the germs, but I still have dead carcasses on my hands. Okay, that's that's a theory too, right? If you use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer, Mm -hmm. right? So the alcohol-based hand sanitizer, (laughs) I have that too. So the rule is, is if your hands are visibly soiled, meaning that you could see the dirt on your hands, Mm -hmm. you go to soap and water. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Well. So that that's that's the rule. If they're not visibly soiled, then the alcohol-based hand sanitizer is fine for most 
things. There right. are some things that, See, that aren't killed. I always think of those commercials where they have these fuzzy little germs right. crawling around things, and I feel like they're on my hands. And so when I put um, hand sanitizer, I feel like I'm just raiding the germs, right, right. like raid. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the raid <laughs> is on my hands, and these dead little germs are just flipped over on my hands <laughs> and palms, and, and then I feel like they're still they're going inactive. in my mouth if I'm eating with them. So I always feel like I need to wash my hands anyways. You will always have... <laughs> Curly, bacteria to, on your hands. Curly, you want to talk about That's it? That's true. Yes. Yeah, I think right. I need. I think I may need I, therapy we, we about this. Have a, we should have a talk about this. <laughs> off, off, off air. You will always have bacteria on your hands. You will always have viruses on your hands. Oh, my gosh. But as long as they're inactive, right, big point, right? Okay. So That's speaking great. of inactive, so what's the deal with the uh, baby walkers here? Oh, so baby walkers apparently is a toy that infants, it's actually linked to thousands of ER visits annually. And I had no idea. My kids did play in their baby walkers when they were little or smaller. They're still small, but (laughs) when they were infants. Um, So apparently it's causing thousands of ER visits annually. The new Mm -hmm. study published in the journal Pediatrics, the author support and a complete ban on infant walkers now because those plastic contraptions on wheels, they allow kids to wander around. They go, they're too young to have that type of independence and mobility. And some of them are falling off stairs and and just flipping over. Um, Just a second Mm -hmm. that you turn around, they could be falling over and getting injured. And some of them have like serious injuries, which I didn't think was possible, but they are depending on how far they fall. So researchers examined national injury data between 1990 and 2014 and found that infant walkers resulted in 230,676 emergency department visits for children under the age of 15 months. Yeah, and 90% of those injuries were to the head and neck and nearly 40% admitted to hospital for skull fractures which is crazy to think about. That is really is. crazy. So they're actually requesting a full ban. Not sure what's going to happen. A full ban? Yes. I mean, she, is it really the walkers or is it, I mean, for lack, lack of a better word, a, a lack of attentive pa- Exactly, right. attentive parents. I mean, no, yes, I understand the whole, you, things blink, you, you blink and things happen. Right. But I mean, you, you're putting them in a walker and you're like, okay, that's fine. It's, they're surrounded by, by plastic. You can turn away and shovel some papers and then all of a sudden, you know, something happens. I don't know. Do we I guess they were banned do, do, for. Do we ban them? I don't know, but there are other options. I mean, the a, article. Put a big warning, please. Revi- supervision required, or something like that, on, on these things. They're pretty sure they do. It right? could be. Yeah, I understand that, but I mean, if this many kids are still going into emergency rooms, that would probably concern me. I don't know, but they do have other options that parents can use instead of walkers. If you want to just take the safe route, like I probably would. If I, I'm not going to have any more kids, but if I did, I'd probably go for the safer <laughs> options. What would, what's your safer um, option? Based on this data, <laughs> but they they're talking about stationary activity centers. Mm-hmm. Okay. that they have in the market, and yeah. they're very similar. The only difference is they don't have wheels. Correct. So, I mean, there's always a danger they can fall off of the stationary activity thing, but, I mean, it's what a I lot thought, What I thought the positive of, of walkers is, per, is to promote walking for your child. Mm, I wonder, the, the, the like, use, scientifically, of, uh, if that of, even The helps. use of the mobility of your feet and, and give them used to the idea of walking. Right. I thought that was kind the, of the benefit the, of walkers. That that. that was the, the was. theory i don't know i don't know what the research is on it or if it actually right. truly did work for it i mean I, I, that i have no idea about um but i know that the ban on walkers is not something new right the ban on walker we've known for a while that walkers aren't so great and that injuries oh, happen this was walkers. news to me so oh. <laughs> <laughs> apologize <laughs> so yeah that's why there's a lot of more uh stationary activity centers that are out yeah. there um there are, I like the idea of doing the other options. I always feel like, listen, 
I, I have a, a flat house with no stairs in it, is my child going to get injured? And I always think back to, okay, knowing that it's potentially puts them in harm's mm -hmm. way, how would I feel if they got injured? How would I feel if my child got the flu mm -hmm. and was ended up in the hospital and had a terrible case of it because I potentially didn't vaccinate. Okay. Right? So so I always go back and go, listen, I really am I have am I have had the flu shot? And a personal I personally do I like getting the flu shot? Absolutely not. I just I don't like getting the flu shot. Do I like the fact that my child, every time he goes to the physician's office, I feel like, you know, I give him the flu shot at the same time. His birthday's in, at the end of September, so flu season, so the, so the flu shot's out. So every time he goes to the pediatrician's office, I always give him the flu shot. For a while there, they had the flu mist, mm -hmm. which is really cool. It, uh, instead of a vaccination form, it was live virus, and they, they did it um, through the nose, and it didn't hurt. It was an awesome option for him. They yeah. since done right away with the flu mist. It does not exist anymore. Um, but... Do, do I, as a parent, if they were to get sick from something that's preventable or hurt from something Someone's that I know mm -hmm. I could have potentially stopped them from doing, how guilty am I going to feel? Now, I can't put a bubble around my child. No, of course. But, I mean, that's what I was going to yeah. say is that a child can get hurt by any way. You yeah, know, that's and, and true, any, but if, if you're getting the data, though, I think as a mom, I would like to see the data. I'd like to see the data, and I'd like to see uh, how much of the data took into consideration non-attentive parents. That's, well, this true. is true, that's, too. That's, that's, that's yeah. what I you know. But you my kid does wear a helmet on the bicycle. Okay. Yeah. See? I didn't growing up, did you? <laughs> no. I didn't right. either. That's no. crazy. That's but funny. now, but now, right, it's, a, it's just air on the shine of caution, right? It's a, the, you, you weigh your... You weigh the positives and negatives as a parent. If you know for 100% for sure and you got a flat house, you're always going to be there. There's nobody else. Nothing's going to tip the kid over and you decide to go for it. Hey, go for it. And honestly, these but walkers are quite pricey. I've seen them and they've gotten so <laughs> because, creative because with these. I've seen like little, yes. you know, convertible walkers mm -hmm. and they're like extremely well, expensive. So I think I would probably opt for the safer option. It's probably less expensive too. Okay. So. So that's it. That's all I have for uh, you guys well, today. Thank you so much. Great discussion. To um, use a walker or not? Oh, that, that, is, that, that is the question. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to today's guest, here's a word from our sponsor. The Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital team has every medical specialty a parent could want and the expertise every child needs. So when it matters most, trust the experts in pediatrics at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Welcome back, and thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. I'd like to welcome today's guests, Mario and Jennifer Estevez, and their son, Sebastian. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. How well, are you? Thanks hi, Sebastian. Hey. Hi. <laughs> thanks for coming in. So Sebastian has Hunter's Syndrome, correct? Yes. Okay. And what exactly is Hunter's Syndrome? Um, so... Basically, his, um, his body does not produce a particular enzyme that helps uh, break waste down at the cellular level. Mm. Um, and essentially what happens is because of that, um, <clears throat> uh, that waste builds up mm -hmm. and it will uh, slowly um, break him down um, physically and uh, cognitively. Um, I think the first, uh, the first year that a child was medically diagnosed was 1917. So, really? um, 
this would mark the 101st year, essentially, wow. since someone was remarkable. medically diagnosed with a disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, go ahead, I'm sorry. Is it familial? Is it genetic? It's a genetic uh, mutation. Um, it's X-linked, so it's passed down through mothers. Um, and I don't have a family history of it, but I found out after his diagnosis that I am a carrier. Um, and we don't know where the mutation started, but um, so 25% of, I would have a 25% chance of passing that on to any child that I have. Well, and I, from what I've briefly researched about this, I hear this is, this is an affliction that primarily affects uh, males? Mm-hmm. Almost exclusively, yes. Wow. Um, females carry uh, two X's, right. so if there's a mutation, uh, they would carry the disease, but it would manifest itself. Uh, in their bodies where boys only have the one X, so if that X is mutated, then um, that gene is mutated, then yes, it, it, it manifests in boys almost exclusively. Wow. And is there a cure for this disease? So there isn't, uh, as of yet. The only treatment available uh, for the disease is an enzyme replacement therapy. So Sebastian goes to Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital mm-hmm. Ambulatory Center on a weekly basis, and he gets a synthetic version of the enzyme his body doesn't produce. Um, but we are working on funding a cure, uh, and that's that's the beauty of it. When we were told absolutely um, of his diagnosis, the geneticist basically told us there it's terminal. Mm-hmm. There isn't anything we can do. Take him home and, and love him, basically. Uh, and it was devastating news. How old was he when you found the diagnosis? When he was diagnosed? Uh, he was diagnosed at two, about two and a half. Yeah. And what were I mean, it's not a cold. So what led the physicians up to the diagnosis? So what was going on medically with Sebastian prior to actually getting the title of Hunter syndrome? So he has another uh, related disease called hydrocephalus, excessive cerebral spinal fluid in the brain. And he had um, gone through three brain surgeries at Boston Children's Hospital uh, in order to deal with that. And because of that, uh, my beautiful wife sitting next to me ended up um, diagnosing him with Hunter syndrome. Um, it's kind of a, a long story, but we, the, the CSF fluid that he has, he basically has plumbing in his head that drains that excess um, uh, CSF fluid into his abdomen. And he had a distended belly. We were concerned that his body, for whatever reason, wasn't absorbing that CSF fluid properly. Mm-hmm. So we had some imaging done, and my wife told me, you know, ask the tech what he thinks. Um, you know, and I'm a good husband. I follow directions. So, of course, of course. Uh, I did, and he incorrectly told me that Sebastian had an enlarged spleen. Um, huh. And then he quickly, re- you know, recanted and said, you know what, I'm used to looking at adults. Wait for the doctor to look at it. Um, you know, I could be wrong. I got in the car and looked up enlarged spleen and hydrocephalus and then listened to the tech and said, you know what, I'm not going to drive myself crazy. Right. And my wife later on grabbed my phone to research something, saw my last research or my last search on Google, and that kind of took her on this journey. And like a week or so later, she came back and said, I think he has this. Okay. Well, how did you feel when, uh, when this epiphany happened? When you said, you know, my child has, has this, this, um, this disease. Um, what was your initial reaction? Um... Well, initially, when she came to me with it, and I looked it up and found out that, you know, there's only 500 cases, diagnosed cases in the United States, 
and 2,500 in the world, I basically said, you know, stay off the internet. We've seen a ton right. of specialists. Right. Right. No, You're an English teacher, you know, not a doctor. Uh, and I should know better because she's usually right. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. um, but I said, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see who we need to see in order to close this door and make sure that this is not the case. Um, and when we went to see the geneticist, he asked us, like, what are you doing here? You know? And I think we felt kind of silly saying, like, oh, we were doing research on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said I would be shocked, you know, because there was no history of it. Of course. He looked at um, Sebastian. He's very typical even even now still. Um, but I think that once the news came down, obviously the doctor was shocked. My wife was right. I was wrong. Um, it was uh, it was soul-shattering news. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, the prospect of having to, uh, to bury your own child is pretty damning. Um, about 85% of kids with disease will perish before their 15th birthday. So, uh, so this disease affects them from head to toe. Right. So it'll, you know, Jen, if you want to elaborate on, on how, uh, what the disease actually does. Um, so yes, it affects every body system. So, um, kids with this tend to have leaky heart valves. Um, they tend to have very stiff joints, um, problems hearing, um, uh, cognitive issues. Usually these kids hit a plateau at around four years old and then start regressing. Um, and luckily we haven't seen that so far in Sebastian. Um, but the majority of these boys, it does affect their brain as well. Um, and as my husband said, the life expectancy is, is really low. Um, what is it, 85% don't make it into adulthood, I think is the statistic, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it really is, I mean, I remember um, talking to Mario after Sebastian was first diagnosed and I said, I just feel like it would be easier to just lose your kid unexpectedly, but to be told, and obviously no one wants to lose their kid under any circumstances, but just feeling sorry for ourselves, you know, to some extent, and just the prospect of having to watch your perfectly healthy, brilliant, funny, child deteriorate in front of your eyes until they eventually lose everything and go into a vegetative state. Um, I just can't imagine a worse fate for somebody you love. And right. it actually affects the, their, their appearance as well. So, you know, uh, boys with the disease tend to have a similar look and that's also, um, it sounds somewhat superficial, but you know, uh, it really is, it's such a damning disease because it's not, a, you know, you're gonna lose your child, it's your child is gonna change right before your eyes, you're mm-hmm. not gonna have anybody to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll lose their ability to walk, talk, eat, recognize their parents, and then mm-hmm. be gone. Uh, but I have to tell you that as a nurse, and knowing you guys, and helping to take care of Sebastian, that instead of shutting down, you guys tunneled all your energy into helping to find a cure. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, I heard somebody, another mom from another rare disease community, describe it uh, as uh, staring death in the face and then deciding to walk through it. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's the most apt description that I've, I've heard from anybody with respect to what you have to do. Um, you know, initially, obviously, we I think it we spent maybe like a half a year um, 
wallowing in our sorrow, mm-hmm. uh, sure. grieving yeah. our son as if he were already it's understandable. gone. And um, then we found out about a gene therapy trial that is being conducted at Nationwide Children's Hospital uh, in an organization called Project Alive that has been funding it from uh, the start. And it really has given us uh, a great deal of hope. Um, and this, they've been, they've been funding the research leading up to the trial, so the trial hasn't yet started. Um, but we jumped on board about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And um, our community, not just our family, but our community has raised almost $2 million towards funding this trial. And um, the goal was 2.5. So we're getting really close to that goal to be able to put children into the trial. So, I mean, it's really huge because Mm -hmm. this, actually the same hospital using a similar virus vector has um, already started a trial with other kids. and it seems to be working. So it's really no, that's I mean, huge. It's a huge amount of hope that it's giving us. And I don't know what we would have done without something to channel all of our energy into like this, something positive. Exactly. Is, M- is Project Alive only for Hunter syndrome mm-hmm. or is it for the other MPS disorders as well? So um, our goal is disease specific. So it's MPS2 Hunter syndrome. But the reality is that we're really building on the hard work of the MPS3 community who has funded a similar trial. Oh. And then any of the other MPSs and really any single gene mutation, um, especially in the lysosomal storage disorders, they can build on the research that we've put out because it's it, they're such Very closely similar. related diseases. Yeah, So we really are all helping each other. Um, and Mario and I have talked about once we have a cure for Sebastian and his hunter brothers, that we feel like people have given so much to us that that has to be a life goal of ours is to never stop and to move on to the next disease and right. keep fighting for those people too because there are people in our lives who have no reason to be fighting alongside us, but they are. You know, people who didn't know us from a stranger when Sebastian was diagnosed, but they heard our story and they're devoting countless hours and um, their own money, their love to this cause. And um, so we just can't give up ever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Right. There's actually an an interesting story behind um, that MPS3 um, uh, San Filippo syndrome gene therapy trial. I called uh, the MPS Society um, the week after Sebastian was diagnosed to get some guidance. And the lady on the phone um, almost sounded giddy and excited. And oh. here I am, like right, mm. devastated. No, of course, sure. right. Yeah. And I thought they need to find somebody else to answer the phone because <laughs> I'm about to curse this lady out. Right. Um, <laughs> and she must have realized that she sounded way too excited on the phone. She said, "I'm sorry, I'm distracted. Today was the first per- the first time that a, a, a person with uh, a lysosomal storage disease or an MPS disorder was treated with gene therapy." Uh, and she said, this is a huge day for the community you are unfortunately now a part of. And at the time, right. it meant nothing to me. Mm-hmm. But now, and right. Now, now it, looking back, it's it, huge. It yeah. means everything. Right. I'm in the same, I'm trying to replicate, you know, we're trying to replicate the same exact thing that took place, um, you know, uh, a few years back with the with San Felipe syndrome. Um, so, yeah, that, that was... So know. the current treatment stalls the progression of the disease. The physical or the somatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And what we're hoping to get is a treatment to cure the disease. Right. Mm-hmm. A one-time infusion 
uh, as opposed to a weekly infusion, which disrupts our lives. As much as we love you and, <laughs> you know, okay. everybody at, uh, at Peds Ambulatory, it's, you know, it's taxing to, you Absolutely. know, show up to the hospital on a weekly basis. It just is. And how long are you there for on a weekly basis? Four hours at the right. very least. Yeah. Um, the, the The gene therapy, it's a, what they do is they attach a corrected copy of the mutated gene onto an adeno-associated virus. The virus doesn't do any harm to the body, but is a vehicle that transports that corrected copy uh, into the body and it crosses the blood-brain barrier, which is revolutionary uh, technology. And it's a one-time infusion. The body will then begin to reproduce that corrected copy of the gene and you essentially have a cure. And it's not, you know, I think for, for a while there, I was pushing towards this goal without any real empirical data. All right. we had was animal models. And I'm a bona fide nerd, so I listen to NPR every morning. And I'm listening to NPR, and they're doing a story on how gene therapy had cured a kid with blindness uh, oh, and wow. also uh, cured, or not cured, but effectively cured um, another single gene, and they call it monogenic uh, diseases, a single gene mutated disease called SMA1, which is... Mm -hmm you know, a killer. Uh, if your child is diagnosed with SMA1, I think it's anywhere from 75 to 95% chance that the kid, by the time that they're two, will perish. Um, and if they don't, those that do be live beyond two live in a vegetative state. Uh, they did a gene therapy trial using uh, the same adeno-associated virus that we're going to use at the same hospital on 15 kids with the worst form of SMA. And four years later, all 15 kids are alive None of them are hooked up to machines, wow. and all of them, are, I, I believe, are attending school, which is oh, wow. amazing. not at all the case with SMA. So it was like, I knew at the time when I was listening to the story in NPR mm -hmm. that there was a bigger purpose for me having heard that, right. other than the fact that I got super excited and got all the motivation in the world having heard it. Exactly. Um, long story short, we've actually reached out to one of the, uh, the moms who was in that story and you know, I've built a, a bond with them, and they're trying to help us uh, move our trial forward as well. So, how do I, and for everybody else there, get involved in trying to help these boys with Hunter syndrome? Um, well, I would say we would love if people would visit visit ProjectAlive.org um, and get to know some of our families first. Um, so, if you click on the link that says Stories, you can meet some of our families. Um, one of our hunter dads is a movie producer, so he produced these really beautiful pieces on the families. Um, you can learn more about the disease and the cure there as well. Um, but we have a lot of people around the country fundraising for us. Um, and I feel like the, the biggest way that I think people get hooked on to this story and really, um, you know, loving our kids enough to try to save them is to, to meet them. That's all it takes. So if you were to watch one of these videos, um, we would really appreciate it. Excellent, excellent. So we, we got the diagnosis. We got involved in the organization. Now we're here on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. What brought you guys to Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital? Um, Jody is, uh, I guess, has been a part of our lives since uh, even before Sebastian was born. Um, it's, uh, you know, our oldest son, Omar, uh, you know, was, was born in the Memorial Network. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to tell you that, um, you know, our experiences with Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital have been, you know, excellent. 
uh, and we're not just saying that because we're here um, in this podcast, but you know, all that from you know, uh, Dr. Hertzler uh, to Dr. Chan um, to his um, pediatrician, um, the nurses, uh, you know, Rose at the front desk, uh, John in valet. Um, we're very fortunate that Sebastian doesn't suffer through any medical trauma. And we're almost having to kind of sell him on the idea that we, mm -hmm. we're going to do home infusions. We're trying to bring the infusions home so that right. we don't have to spend the time at the hospital. Great. And he's not necessarily happy about it mm -hmm. um, because he loves coming. Because of the experience. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because when you talk to other parents from our community, the majority of those kids are really traumatized from their experiences. And when you hear about the way they've been treated at other facilities, um, it makes us all the more grateful for you know, all the love that we felt at Joe DiMaggio. I mean, you can tell that people care, and, and Mario's right, you know, all the way from the minute you parked the car till, you know, any treatment that he's ever received, any doctor's offices that we've ever walked into there have been amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. that, be, uh, that me too, a, yes. It means, means a lot, lot to us as yeah. well. It's, it's huge. It's it is. huge. We try our best to make um, the most positive situation mm -hmm. out of a terrible one. Mm -hmm. So we're no, happy. Absolutely. The Jody experience should be a positive part. experience. And, and we're glad that you are experiencing that. But uh, let's get a little deeper. Let's talk about your son. Tell us about Sebastian. Who is he exactly? <laughs> um, he <laughs> is wicked smart. Uh, the kid does not miss a thing. I can tell you all kinds of stories where he's shown... Um, a superior sense of awareness socially. Um, I almost like to compare him to, you know, like one of my college buddies. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> he's got a, a wicked sense of humor, um, bordering on, you know, a little bit inappropriate. That's my super fault. Super dry, super dry. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my fault. But he's just, um, he's your, your, your typical boy. He can throw... A football like nobody's business. Mm. He can hit a yes, baseball. Yes, he can. Yeah. <laughs> I witnessed that. <laughs> yeah. Watch out, world. Here he comes. It's crazy how he throws that football. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny. I just posted a video of him uh, rifling a football. I just posted it actually yesterday, I think, at Joe DiMaggio. Um, or no, Monday. I posted it Monday because his infusions are Monday. And we have this Dolphins football. They're 3-0, and by the way. Go <laughs> yes, Dolphins. Go Dolphins. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we, you know, it's a, it's a very soft football, and he throws that thing in a perfect spiral. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Catches it like nobody, with his hands, not his body. Uh, I'll take credit he for that. He throws it much better than I can. <laughs> than I can. I can. <laughs> Mine wobbles in the air. But he really, he's, he's super funny. Uh, he's got a great sense of humor. Uh, really, really intelligent. Uh, wise beyond his years. You know, just... Uh, Artistic. Yeah, that's true. He's very artistic. He's great with Legos. He'll sit. He sat down after his infusion on Monday for about a half an hour, nobody bothering him, and he made a a, a huge plane out of his Legos, wow. with an entrance and like a little pit for everybody to sit in. Uh, and I was amazed at it just because it was so symmetrical. Like everything was exactly where it should be. Wow. And um, how old is Sebastian again? Just he, to remind everybody. He's four. Yes. This is not a seven-year-old we're talking right. about here. No. You know, I, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. So he was at a daycare and 
because of the hydrocephalus, if he ever um, vomits, we it's a, it's a potential sign that there's a shunt failure. So it could mean brain surgery. Mm-hmm. So it's an issue. And, you know, our luck, you know, he looks, you know, at something and vomits. You know, he vomits for no reason. <laughs> so oftentimes what happens is he'll get sick and he'll develop a lot of mucus that he can't get out mm-hmm. and he throws up the mucus. Right. So the school calls me and they say, hey, you know, or the daycare calls me, Sebastian threw up. Um, you need to come get him. So I rush over there and I ask the lady at the front desk in front of him, like, um, what did the vomit look like? And she looks at me weird, like, what you, you know, right, vomit, right, okay. what are you asking? And I was like, well, if it's mucusy, it's a good sign. If it's not, it could mean something else. And she, right. I had to remind her of his condition. And she's like, oh, that's right. So she calls the teacher down and he chimes in. It was mucusy. And she laughs at him. Um, because she's like, you know, right. at that right. time he was three, you know, oh you're three, gosh. what are you doing? Um, anyhow, the teacher comes in and she says, actually it was mucusy. Um, mm-hmm. and we get in the oh, car man. and I'm driving. I didn't say anything odd, you know, I think I may have sighed a little bit. I have no idea, but I, there wasn't anything and I wasn't visibly upset as far as I could tell. And he says to me, uh, puppy, you know, what's wrong with you? You know? And I said, oh no, he said, puppy, you seem, uh. Worried. You seem worried. Oh. And I said, oh, you know, I just, I don't like it when you're sick. And he's like, I'm all right. You know? And here I was, you know, a 40-something-year-old man being consoled by, you know, his three-year-old son who figured out that I was a little bit too concerned uh, about his, his vomit. And there's just, there honestly, it's there amazing. are all kinds of stories like that where he really shows an awareness that is way beyond his years. But he's not your only amazing child. No, he's not. I have another one. They're both lawyers. Their rhetorical skills are ridiculous. <laughs> Um, no, they're, they're on, like, our boys, we're blessed. We have, you know, I don't know how I, I managed to marry such a beautiful and brilliant woman Aww. and have two beautiful kids. I got two beautiful dogs and they're all smart. I think I'm the dumbest one <laughs> in the whole crew. But they, but they hold you up. So, right, so exactly. Make yeah. you look good by association. Exactly. That's good. That's good. Exactly. Uh, yes. Oh, you okay. Have any um, I, guess oh, I, sorry, I, I do. I do. I do. We had such a good rapport here. I was like, oh, let me just not say anything. How? Um, let's talk about the home life. How has this um, this affected the home life and maybe even school? I think that it's made us appreciate the small things a lot more, but it also takes us away from, um, you know, typical. Um, home life a lot because we're constantly fundraising and sometimes we worry about the effect of that on our kids but we just hope that in the end it'll pay off and the consequences will outweigh you know or sorry the benefits will outweigh those consequences so it really affects every aspect of our lives for sure I mean we have events every weekend for Mm -hmm. the next three weekends right now and then I think we're off a week and then have another so it's really just a lot um, to plan but it's a good it's a good problem to have because we have a lot of amazing people in the community that are helping us and mostly planning these things um, really without us, you know, and so we're, we're really blessed to have all of that. Um, at school, I think Sebastian is a typical kid. You know, we always worry. Um, we always worry about him at school, but the reality is if the teachers didn't know about his circumstances, they probably wouldn't know much was wrong. I think physically that he's has this has joint stiffness, they might realize because of that. But um, we're really lucky that so far school has really been quite typical experience for him. 
I think the, the one thing that I would say that kind of sums up what my wife was trying to articulate is that we're constantly finding, trying to strike a balance between the present and the future. And what ends up happening because the future seems so dire without gene therapy and it's incumbent upon us to try and make it a reality, we're constantly having to sacrifice the present for the hope of the future. And it's a, it's a delicate balance to strike because you don't want to sacrifice too much of the present um, for what we believe is the hope of the future. So it's, it's, um, it's not easy because I, you know, I used to coach the kids, all the kids, um, you know, baseball and soccer and whatnot. And now, you know, having, you know, being the vice president of Project Live, I barely have time to do my work, you know? Um, and it's become, you know, the nonprofit is, you know, the focal point of our lives Mm -hmm. to a certain extent and everything else is somewhat on the periphery. Sebastian would like to say something. Well, by all means, Sebastian. Sebastian, you want to talk about school? Sure. What do you want to say about school? What's hmm. what do you like school? Your favorite thing to do when you go to school? Uh. <laughs> Is it lunch? Yeah. <laughs> and what do you like to eat at lunch? Nothing. 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 <laughs> I thought he was going to say food. <laughs> Who's your Nothing. best friend at school? Food. Food? Who is your best friend? Who's your best friend at school? Olivia. 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 Mm. Who's the boy beside you that's here that's very special? Not Omar. You. Omar. Who's Omar? My brother. Your brother. And how old's Omar? Do you know? Nine. Nine years old. Wow, Omar's very tall. You're very lucky. You know you're loved by a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that Sebastian got an extra special surprise a few months ago? Tell us. There was an extra special living thing that came into your lives, didn't you? Mm -hmm. You got something really cute and fluffy. What is it? You don't know. A frog. A frog? A frog. A fluffy frog. A frog is fluffy. Marshmallow. Marshmallow. Who's marshmallow? A frog. My doggy. Oh, oh, not a frog, right? I thought we were talking about food again. <laughs> <laughs> marshmallow bubblegum. Yes. Who named marshmallow, Sebastian? Me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they got a very special dog. You want to tell me about her? No, it's a ham. Oh, ham. I apologize. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I told I you, he doesn't miss a thing. <laughs> I stand corrected. What's marshmallow like? Um, <laughs> does he behave himself? I know what he likes. What does he like? Food. Food. Yes. Is Mar- Fat boy loves food, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. On this, on this, uh, I know. Yes, yeah, and also he's... Big. Oh, is, he? is he big? Yeah. Does he behave himself at home? Nah. No, no way. He's always trying to eat food. He's try- always trying to get into everyone's food, right? Yeah, and eat our shoes. That's true also. <laughs> Do your shoes taste good? Huh? Do your shoes taste good? Uh-uh. Well, no. Your shoes are his favorite. Hey, Sebastian, tell us about Shannon. I hear she's your nurse. Is she a good nurse to you? Yes. <laughs> We're not putting on a spot at all. I am not your nurse, right? I'm sometimes your nurse. But what? 
I'm one of the nurses, okay. huh? Not always. I'm usually not your nurse, in fact. What do you think about the nurses at Joe DiMaggio? <laughs> You're gonna be shy. Aww. It's okay. Oh. <laughs> He's like, I'm done. <laughs> On that conversation, he is done. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming out here and well, joining absolutely. us. Before, before we let you go, um, you know, it's very, you know, trying, you know, times and stuff. But you guys are, are pushing through. You are, you are absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, persevering. What inspirational Hi. or motivational or positive uh, words can you give to other parents? Dealing with with uh, similar illnesses. Daddy. Hold on, boy. Sorry. No worries. No, no, it's okay. Just I getting repositions. I think that um, as parents, you you're constantly hoping for the best for your children, um, and you know when you're struck with such uh, damning news, I think it's difficult to. Uh, you know, it, it's easy to lose sight of that. Uh, and I think that even, even given, uh, you know, the difficulty of the situation, <clears throat> we're doing, we're still doing what we think uh, is best for our kids. And I think that, you know, we're, we're both teachers by profession and we've always uh, believed that Education is paramount to having success in any field, whether it be parenting or, uh, you know, work or relationships or what have you. And I think if you are unfortunate enough to, to be a part of a rare disease community, that education is even more significant mm -hmm. because you're just going to run into a lot of professionals who don't know anything about the disease. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, it's it's not easy, but we we try very hard to stay, um, you know, to stay very positive. Absolutely. And not allow um, the diagnosis to uh, dictate how we approach the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I have to, I have to be honest, Sebastian is not your typical hunter boy, mm -hmm. which makes no, it not. makes it easier for us. Um, I think that as long as his health remains, uh, we can continue to fight. I just don't know uh, whether or not at least I would have the strength to continue to push as hard as I'm pushing mm -hmm. were he to start to deteriorate. Um, so I think it, to, to a certain extent, I feel like we can, we can pretend to be brave mm -hmm. just because he's still a very typical kid mm -hmm. despite the fact that you know, death lingers in the shadows of our homes, to, to put it quite bluntly. Mm -hmm. But it, the disease is really yet to manifest itself. Um, and that allows us a lot of leeway. Um, and I would just say rely on the community. Um, that rare disease community has become, you know, a family we obviously would never choose, but are so fortunate to have. And as far as advice as I would, that I would give to anybody struggling through something like this, I think that it's just really easy to um, be brought down by the negative because the reality is, you know, for these kids is bleak. But um, beauty still exists, and I think being able to focus on that 
um, you know, the good not that comes out of the disease because I would never say that some people. Um, but I think just that there really are beautiful things in life that you still can enjoy and not to miss out on those things because you're not going to get those hours back. So um, to try to enjoy life with your kids while they're here. And that really goes for any parents, Absolutely. you know, of sick children or not, um, not to get bogged down in the everyday life, you know, the details of life that don't matter and instead enjoy those positive moments, the memories that you can build with your kids. It's a good lesson for all Absolutely of us. Absolutely good lesson. And real quick, just, uh, just to repeat the, uh, the organization's name and information for our, for our audience. The organization is uh, projectalive.org. And I would just like to impress upon the audience that um, we know exactly what the problem is. We have the best geneticist in the world mm -hmm. as the principal investigators for our trial. We're using the best possible technology out there because it's being funded by a nonprofit. We can use technology that we don't own the intellectual property for and not have to pay for it. So it's an academic clinical trial conducted by one of the best research institutions in the country with the best scientists uh, and doctors in the country. The only thing we lack is money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, and, and, you know, no amount is too small, uh, and no amount is definitely too large. Um, we, you know, we are last year this time we were about to to breach the the, the half a million mark, uh, and we're now on the verge of of you know breaking two million. And all we need is another half a million in order to have the trial actually start. So please visit the website, like our page, share our page. I think sharing sometimes is even more important than donating. But for sure, donations and sharing of the page uh, would go, you know, a, a really long way, especially when we are a part of such a small mm -hmm. community. Uh, the United States government considers any disease that only affects less than 250,000 of the population an orphan disease. So it gets no funding and no priority. Right. Um, we're one of 500, so we don't even come close to that mark. Uh, so despite the fact that, you know, the best scientists in the world believe that they have a cure for it, the funding just isn't there. Right. It's on us to get it done. Uh, we're doing it, and it would be impossible without the help of the greater community. Thank you guys so much again for joining us. Really, listening to your story is, um, is very eye-opening in ways it's very inspiring. And, again, you're perseverance in your outlook and it's really just admirable thank you I'd that's the word so. I'm admirable, looking for admirable absolutely that's exactly right and very empowering yes and thank you so much so, for yes, coming thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and thank you for joining us at Healthy Parenting please listen and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app like our Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital Facebook page and share Healthy Parenting with others 